Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell. Excited to be joined by a friend of mine and someone that I've known for a little while now. Devin DeVries is here with us. Uh, Devin is the Vice President of Production at Indie Books International. And for those of you who are careful listeners or watchers of the podcast, you may recognize her last name, DeVries. Uh, recently, I interviewed her father, Henry DeVries, who's the president of Indie Books International. And of course, um, what Devin probably will be too modest to tell you, but Henry would probably say in a heartbeat, is it is uh, Henry's wonderful team, and especially his lovely daughter, Devin, that uh, make him look good at Indie Books International. They are the brain trust uh, behind Henry and all the work that Indie Books International does for their clients. Super, super excited to have Devin with us. She has tremendous expertise in the world in which she works and a lot of insight around business development that we're going to dive into today that I know you'll get a lot of value out of. Devin, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Scott. Absolutely. Um, again, my honor to have you. And I wanted to start out the interview today just by having you tell us a little bit about how, you know, your background, how you got to where you are. And um, yeah, just kind of give us that trajectory story a little bit. Sure. Well, so I've been with Indie Books International since its founding. We're about to turn eight years old, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, but I was working prior to this um, doing e-commerce um, website optimization and online marketing in the retail spaces. So I worked in Seattle at Zulily was where yeah, I was yeah. working yeah. when Henry and Mark um, had this idea for a publishing company. And so they were looking for somebody to kind of be the operations control tower back-end person to really, you know, project manage and figure out how to help the authors promote their books once the books were out. Right. So they approached me with, you know, kind of an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> so, uh, though I, I did love living in Seattle, uh, at that point I had started to become homesick for California. Yeah. So it was kind of nice timing in that regards as well. And I've just always been a book lover and a voracious reader. So it just kind of felt like a natural fit there as well. Mm -hmm. So I came on board and really just, you know, learned everything I could about the publishing world and how to produce books and, you know, what, what we needed to really serve our authors. And then I was able to use, you know, the promotional skills and, you mm -hmm. know, website building all of that that I already had from my previous kind of corporate career and help our authors that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know Henry and Mark are, uh, and they would agree with us, incredibly lucky that you said yes <laughs> to the offer that they that they made that, they, that you couldn't refuse. Um, and I certainly understand, uh, obviously, there's the homesick component around you know, where, where you grew up and family, but uh, we should mention, you know, you're based in Southern California and one of the most beautiful places on the planet, uh, San Diego. So it's certainly an easy place to, uh, to want to head back to Seattle is a great city though, as well. Um, one of the things that um, I wanted to uh, dive into is focused on your background in promotion and business development and so forth. You know, I've mentioned to you, Devin, that this podcast is for independent consultants. And one of the most common challenges that I hear, and I think you and I have had this conversation, you hear the same thing consistently. The most common challenges or pain points that we hear from the people that we work with is that I want to be in front of enough quality prospects on a consistent basis. And, and how, how can I do that? And of course, it's a, it's a very big question, a very important question with a lot of different ways to answer that. But tell me, what's your perspective when when a potential indie books client comes to you and asks you that question? What's your general response? How what's the strategic uh, sort of Devin DeVries answer to that question? Yeah, well, our our kind of philosophy is that it's all about you know marketing with a book and a speech, yeah. and that is the number one way to attract these high paying clients that we all want. Mm -hmm. And for us, we always say that. A book is the number one marketing tool and a speech is the number one marketing strategy. Mm. So they go together and you really use them to, you know, you leverage the book for credibility 
you know, it allows you to get in front of audiences that you may not have been able to access before. Um, it also as kind of establishes you as an expert so you can get higher speaking fees and all of that. But then on the other side, what we find is the magic really happens when they get to experience you mm-hmm. in a speech. And, and this, and that's kind of a broad category. What I mean there is just, you know, any way they can interface with you and experience your personality and your style. So that might be, you know, everything from a keynote speech on a big stage all the way down to something like this, a video podcast. Right. Um, you know, that's where we find that, you know, that's really what moves people to want to take the next step with, with consultants in our area. You know, I think that's a really important note. And so often I will have conversations with potential clients for my own work, which is also in the business development space, which you know, and what they say they want is they just want more appointments, one-on-one appointments with decision makers, uh-huh. which, which of course, right. I mean, that makes sense. We all want that, but I think so often they're missing, they're missing the opportunity for that interim step, that interim step being this authority establishing step of showing and demonstrating their knowledge and their expertise to a group of people prior to having a one-on-one conversation with a decision maker. Because, I mean, you and I know, and other consultants who, who have done this know, that if, you're, if, if you haven't had any kind of meaningful relationship or engagement with a potential client so far, and you're just thrown on a one-on-one with them, that entire first conversation is and should be, needs to be, just really about relationship building and trust building and and yeah. and and showing your authority, demonstrating your knowledge and your skill, providing value where you can. It really can't be and shouldn't be a sales conversation in that initial conversation, but it's too soon. You know, uh, someone doesn't buy from a consultant in a, in a meaningful way until they see that person as an authority and expert. Mm-hmm. And and so what I'm hearing you say is a book helps you accelerate to get to that point as quickly as you can. And a speech is a natural way to demonstrate to a group of people, as opposed to just one at a time, that you have that authority and expertise. Absolutely. And I think also a lot of it comes down to trust in what we do. I mean, if you're gonna hire a consultant or a coach, you know that's a very kind of intimate relationship. Right. And something that you need to be able to trust them, you know, especially if you're gonna be showing them you know, your business numbers, your your intellectual property, all of that. Yeah. So yeah, it, you're right. You have to have some intro steps to get there. And, you know, with a book and with presentations and stuff, you can start to kind of build that bridge. And, you know, also, you know, you never want somebody to be like, just trust me. I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know this, I can help you. So yeah. You have to kind of demonstrate by things you do that you are in fact, the expert you are you are um, yeah. and that you do know how to solve the problems that they have. But yeah, again, you know, you don't want to come off as a, you know, a charlatan. Right. <laughs> right. And, it, and, and frankly, you know, often I, I've fallen into that trap in the past, just for full disclosure, you know, it, it is, it is easy when you, you know, we know as consultants, we have confidence in our own ability and our own skill and our ability to do the thing that we say we can do to deliver value. And so sometimes because we're already, we already have that knowledge and confidence that we can help this person, right? We forget that they don't have that same belief and confidence yet, right? right? And so it's easy to start selling and talking about what you can do and how you can do it, how you would interface and how you'd engage and what it might cost. And it's easy to go down that path way too soon before the client's ready. And that's when you start to get feedback. Well, your presentation was just too salesy. It's because they weren't ready for the sell. It's not that it was too salesy in and of itself. It's that the timing was off, right? They weren't ready to hear a sales message. And so, of course, the message that you're giving them, which is a sales message, is going to seem salesy because they're not ready for that. They're not asking for that yet. Yeah, and it, absolutely. And so, you know, what you're saying, I think, is, is really important is you've got to take the time to cultivate that relationship and, uh, and do that. Uh, use the word demonstration to demonstrate your knowledge and your skill so that they have a perception that you are an authority. Um, Let's talk a little about, I know we've got a lot of authors who are watching and listening to the podcast. We have probably just as many or more aspiring authors. 
who are listening to the podcast, a lot of speakers or aspiring speakers as well. Maybe talk a little bit about the nature of what you have seen as one or two, three really powerful strategies, either leveraging a book or, you know, uh, leveraging a talk. If, if someone has a good presentation they want to give, or if they're already an author, what are some ideas that they might utilize or leverage to, to demonstrate their knowledge and their skill to prospects? Yeah. So one of our main recommendations is, is to host your own events Mm -hmm. and put on your own seminars and workshops um, for a variety of reasons. But part of it is that you control your own destiny there. If you're hosting and, and, going after your target audience. So we can talk in more detail about what that looks like, but that would definitely be one of them. Um, The second is just, you know, getting out in front of an audience as much as possible. Like we talked about is so important. So whether it's an event you're doing, being a guest on somebody else's podcast, you know, finding you know, conferences or organizational meetings. Um, There's so many organizations out there that have, you know, monthly or weekly meetings and they need content. They need somebody to come and present. So just doing a little kind of groundwork research to see, you know, what organizations do my target prospects belong to? And then just start reaching out to those groups because yeah, a lot of them are just, you know, they have to come up with a meeting and right. their organizations, you know, they're, they're looking for people. So if you come with a, you know, a really clear presentation as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing is to be really clear on, you know, what is your message and your unique, you know, take or stand. Cause sometimes a lot of, we find people want to be very broad Mm-hmm. And their topic or their audience because they think that's a safer bet. Yeah. But we actually find the opposite is true. You know, yeah. the more focused and targeted you can be, the better the results. So, you know, what is that, you know, sweet spot that you really know mm-hmm. and better than anybody else that you can do, you know, and just focus on that in, you know, in any of your writings and your speeches and just try to make, you know, it's a brand essentially that you're building. Um, So same with the book on the book end. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, yes, a book is a big project and a lot of people have that goal. Um, But you can start now in a small way. So let's say if if you want to write a book, Mm -hmm. but the idea is overwhelming. Right? <laughs> Just start in a small way, you know. Yeah. Can you write an article mm-hmm. on the topic and start just kind of building up little things like that? Start, you know, working the muscle really of writing. And after a while, you might find like all of a sudden you have enough content for a book. Right. You know, we have a lot of people that have basically started with a blog they wrote for years. And then they were able to kind of turn that, you know, with some editing and some cleanup and updating, but, you know, it's, it's an asset you already have. Mm -hmm. So also I would say, think of that, you know, what assets do you already have available? You know, do you have a blog you've been writing or a newsletter that you've been sending out? You have more content probably than you realize. So I would say, you know, don't, be afraid of the book. Yeah. Like I know it's it's a big thing, but it's doable. And there are people that can help you with that. Um, but it also just, it can open up so many doors. Mm-hmm. And also there's, there's, I'll give you kind of the, a magic phrase. Yeah. My upcoming book. <laughs> so yeah. at any point you can declare that you are working on a book and you can start speaking on it and telling people, and, you know, soliciting ideas as well. That's if you're looking for a way maybe to um, approach a prospect or, you know, an organization, that's part of what you can talk about. You know, I'm doing research for my upcoming book mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk to, you know, 
successful professionals in this area. So you're you're complimenting them for one that you guys are successful and I want to learn from you. But then it also gives you a foot in the door. Yeah. And then people will be like, oh, great, you're writing a book and what is it that you do? You know, so just be open to exploring those avenues and just start, I guess, is my, my biggest advice. Um, to just start doing, you know, the presentations and the writing on the topic that you want. Yeah. Um, it's never too soon to start. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, I can relate to so much of what you're saying. Um, and in full just transparency for everyone who's listening and watching, I am a client of Indie Books International, a proud client of Indie Books International, um, and am in the process of working on my upcoming book. And Devin, you and the team there have been fantastic to work with. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, I think, is, is fantastic. And that's what you just said in terms of leveraging my upcoming book. Uh, there's so many ways that you can... Um, even an aspiring author who has every intention of becoming an author and getting the book out there, you can, you can win new business or get access to new opportunities just by, just with that phrase, my upcoming book. And like you, like you talked about how to get your foot in the door and start to have meaningful conversations, leveraging the book before it even exists, I think is really powerful. Um, one of the things too, that, that I will mention is the first book uh, it's been a number of years ago now um, that I co-authored with my business partner at the time, um, started as a series of six articles that he had published in a trade journal uh, in the insurance space where, where we were focused. And so we were at a, a mastermind meeting of a small group of people here in Nashville. And the idea of writing a book and leveraging a book came out. And I asked Nelson, who was my business partner at the time, I asked him, how many articles have you written in this, in this particular series? How many articles have you written? And he said, well, I'll just release the sixth one. And I was like, how many words per article? And he was like, I think at the time it was 1,200, 1,000 or 1,200. And I was like, well, you know, we don't have all the word count there, but that's a heck of a start to a good book. And so we ended up taking those articles crafting the outline of the book. And we already effectively had, you know, a third or half the book written. And we had a ton of other content, exactly like you said, we had been writing for a while and we had tons of other content that we could use and repurpose and slightly edit to put the book together. And we were able to go, I won't say it's, it was perfect, Devin. And by Indie Books International, it, it, it uh, probably didn't pass muster in terms of certain standards, uh, st quality standards. But at the time, it was what we needed, and we were able to go from zero, the idea, to publish book in hand in six weeks. Um, and we released that. The reason six weeks and not six months is because we put ourselves in a possible deadline, and we released the book at a conference. Uh, and the conference was happening six weeks later, and Nelson had already gotten on the phone with the organizer and said, hey, do you want everybody to have a copy? <laughs> and so he, he kind of burned our ships, so to speak, uh, and we had to move forward. And uh, there were typos in the book and it wasn't perfect. But the point was the book was now out and it was in yeah. people's hands and we were impacting people with the content that was in there. And for our business at the time, that was an inflection point. And we went from, from doing okay uh, in that year to the next year having a major growth year. And it was frankly credit to the book and, and our ability to leverage it. So just speaking from a firsthand experience, I can't you know echo what you said enough Um about the power of having it, um, and and to to your point about not making it, uh, not overinflating the difficulty of the project in your mind. Yes, it is a heavy lift, but like you said, there are people like you all to to help people make it happen faster and easier. Um, and you don't have to begin with nothing. In fact, maybe you can speak to this. I've heard people say, if you have a speech, you have a book, um, and that that a, a presentation or a talk can become a great seed that can can be or blossom into a book. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of our authors um, are professional speakers mm -hmm. and they've already kind of been in that world. And I feel like sometimes people are very comfortable in either writing or speaking. Right. Like they have a preference. And so if you are more comfortable in speaking, they're are so many services that can just transcribe um, right. what you 
you know, your speech, you know, if you have a recording, you can just send that over. And then that gives you a place to start, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you content to start from. And yeah, you're probably kind of the outline that you go through in a speech is going to end up being pretty similar to an outline of a book. Sure. sure. You know, there's going to be, you know, some intro, intro of, you know, what, you know, what is the problem or the challenge? You know, why are we talking about this? Who you are, a little bit of an intro on, you know, you as as the guide on this journey. Think of a book mm-hmm. that way. Um, and then, you know, the body would be the content. You know, what are the lessons? What are the supporting kind of stories that reinforce those? And then typically the conclusion is a little bit of a, you know, what's next? So what's the future look like? You know, what once you've either mastered the book or if you're at the end of the book and you're ready to get started, just kind of what are the next steps? Sure. And that's, that's a book, but that probably sounds pretty familiar. If you've done any sort of presentations, it's yeah. kind of the same outline. So yeah, if you already have presentations, leverage those, mm-hmm. um, you know, go back and watch some old recordings and just take some notes and you'll kind of start to see, you know, the outline of your book will start to appear yeah. that way. That's great. Yeah. It's great insight. Yeah. And then just, yeah. You know, from your other, your other story, I just want to say, I, I love that you guys did the book in six weeks. I love it <laughs> because that's part of the problem we have sometimes with our clients is they get stuck because mm-hmm. everybody wants like the perfect book. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, if it's their first book, it's, they, they will sometimes get stuck in it and, mm-hmm. We have to kind of gently nudge them that, like, you know, it's, yes, it's important, but it's, it's a tool, right? You know, this is a tool to help your business. It's, it's not the end all be all of your life, like right. in your work, because also if you're a thought leader, you should have more than one book yeah. over the course of your career. Correct. So, yeah. Like, don't get so stuck on the first one, you know, and, you know, though I would love to say that we have published the perfect book, <laughs> we haven't, like, they don't exist. You know, even if you're yeah. the biggest traditional publisher in the world, like you're going to find a typo, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly, yeah. or a sentence that could have been a little bit better. But the important part was that it was done. Yes. And they were able to use that book. So that's my other you know, big piece of advice is just to, you know, keep it in, in context of, mm-hmm. yes, it's important. You want a quality product, but at the same time, you don't want to get so stuck in, in the perfection of it that you don't ever get to finish and use it Yeah, because, you know, like you experienced, it's, it can be a game changer in your business yeah. to have, have this tool. No, no question. Absolutely. And that's really important advice because the book is such a, in our minds, right? Not to say, like I said before, not to say it doesn't take work and effort and and attention because it does. Um, But we, again, we overinflate the time required, the difficulty, the challenge behind writing a book. Um, But now more than ever, it's, it's logistically easier to produce a book, especially when you have the right people, right? When you have the right team members and the right experts. If you're trying to learn everything and do everything on your own, that's that's going to be very difficult. I mean, we did in six weeks. It wasn't just me and Nelson doing that book, right? We we had to find an editor very quickly, and we you know, and we immediately started giving her pages, and you know, and we had to find a book formatter very quickly, and um, and so we had a team around us um, that was also working quickly, uh, but. Um, but the, you're right. The most important thing about that story uh, is not the quality of the book, although the book for six weeks was pretty good. The most important thing about the, that story is that the book was finished and that we were using that tool in six weeks. And of course, we gave out our first whatever it was, 500 copies that we had printed initially. And then, you know, uh, 60 or 90 days later, we released a corrected version. <laughs> you know, there you we, go. <laughs> we changed the manuscript and had the new version printed and, and it was much, much better. And so um, the point and that's the that's the other thing is it's not like 
if, if you have a, uh, a few copies published or printed, it's not like you can't correct those things in future versions. So it, right. it, 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 correct. Yeah, it really is. You, you really hit the nail on the head is the most important piece yeah. of that is getting the thing done so that you can actively use it. Um, I want to talk, I want to switch gears just for a second and talk about still business development, but about the experience that you had or that, that indie books had related to the pandemic, because you guys do so much, you guys are kind of on the business development side from two angles. Obviously you're developing business for indie books, but then you're also working with authors and speakers on business development for them, whether it's related to the book or other strategies and services what was your experience in terms of this shift from where, because you're talking about live events, what was your experience in the shift of live in-person events to virtual? Kind of just talk, talk about that story and maybe some of the things that, that you learned from that. Yeah. Um, well, I will be honest and, you know, that March, April, 2020, I was very anxious yeah. and very uncertain. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's funny, we had our annual authors conference that we do in the spring mm -hmm. was the last event basically that happened in California. Wow. It was that, that, you know, first weekend of March and by, you know, the Monday or Tuesday, everybody Everything was locked down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coming off of that, you know, which was, you know, our biggest conference to date and it was a big deal to just this like total shutdown was, yeah, concerning for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I do remember talking to Henry and so Henry, our CEO, and he said, at the heart of it, what we do is marketing and mm -hmm. we help people market their businesses and people always need marketing, mm -hmm. no matter what, you know, this is, they need help getting clients and that's what we know how to do. Yeah. And that's not going to change. So mm -hmm. He was like, we will, we will figure out how to pivot, mm -hmm. but we need to pivot. But at the heart of it, you know, we, we have a knowledge base that we can share. Yeah. Good. So that was comforting, <laughs> a comforting perspective. Um, and we, we do live, we do events every year. So part of our, our personal um, strategy for growing our own business is we do, you know, we call them, you know, showcase events. So mm -hmm. some sort of showcase event, we try to do two a month. Okay. So that's either, you know, an event we put on or, you know, like I said, we, we get in front of another audience through, you know, a podcast or, mm -hmm. you know, being on somebody else's stage. But the goal is always two a month at least. So we, um, well, the other funny thing that kind of happened in 2020 was at the end of 2019, we had looked at, you know, the year and Henry and I were on the road so much mm -hmm. and we had kind of, you know, had the discussion of like, you know, I think we need to bring it back a little, like that was <laughs> too much travel. Yeah. <laughs> now, be I'm careful sorry. what you ask for, right? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. did not mean to get rid of all travel. Yeah. Um, but because of that, we had said, why don't we try a webinar a month? Mm -hmm. So we'll do one live presentation and one webinar. And we started that in January 2020. Mm -hmm. So we were just like one tiny toe in front of everybody else by the yeah. time March came around, which was good because those first two were rough. Like we didn't know what we were doing. Like right. we didn't have the equipment and the nice cameras everybody has now. Yeah. Uh, but we were able to kind of work some of those kinks out. So by April, you were rocking, yeah, hundred percent virtual events, and and we actually were able to develop a few kind of new presentations based on you know what our clients were were asking about and needing. Yeah, so we did a presentation on you know, Zoom skills and online presence, you know, the the thing that's cool about what we do is that we now know a bunch of experts in a variety of fields. Sure. We're able to call up some of our authors who are presentation experts mm -hmm. and say, you know, can you, can you talk for 10 minutes on, you know, how to interact virtually? Yeah. You know? And so we were able to bring that together and invite, you know, our whole network of authors and, and prospects to 
And then we kind of just developed a few other, you know, presentations around, you know, yeah, how can you still go after clients? And because also early pandemic days, there was also that kind of like, yeah, people wanted to be sensitive. Yep. You know, exactly. Everything was, but you know, at the same time, we all have businesses and we needed to keep things going. So yeah, there was a lot of just, you know, try trial and error there. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, I would say the same strategies we had been using for live events held true. Yeah. You know, we were still able to fill those events the same way we were. Uh, we were able to have, you know, the follow-ups and leads come from them. So that was encouraging as well. And in the end, we actually, we actually grew the last two years yeah you know even with the pandemic so we were very Fantastic. grateful for that yeah um you know certain parts of the business definitely changed sure, uh, sure people were not buying physical books as mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. in 2020 um but the like ebooks went up and the webinars went up yeah so you know, it was just, it was just a little different, but there were, yeah. there were still plenty of opportunities. Yeah, that's good. No, I, I think that makes sense. And and of course the timing of your, of the beginning of your pivot was, was fortuitous as well. I, if you're open to it, I'd love to, to dive a little deeper into what you were referring to earlier, the showcase strategy of hosting your own virtual event. Um, we'll kind of have a conversation about it, but maybe just sort of lay out You've already kind of already talked about what it is, but kind of lay out what when you're working with a client on a showcase strategy or when you're doing one from indie books, kind of what are the key elements or components that that someone needs to think through if they're going to host a successful, you know, virtual or online event? Right. So the main, I would say the main kind of goal and focus goes back to what we were talking about all the way at the beginning is that we're trying to establish you know, that trust and give our prospects a chance to experience us yeah. in, you know, kind of a quote unquote safe environment. So, you know, not a scary sales pitch that they're walking into. Right. Right. So the way they're designed is they are informational sessions. So um, typically no cost or very low cost. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an easy, yes, it's a generous offering of helpful information so again, you're just those things that, you know, reinforce, you know, what it's like to work with you and your style and your personality, and that would be attractive to prospects. Um, and then, you know, kind of, but also without being salesy, but at the same time, knowing we do want to lead prospects to, you know, our services. So, sure. you know, you're kind of, you're weaving the, uh, you know, the breadcrumbs of how you help people. And our, our number one recommendation there is, is by stories. Yeah. The stories that illustrate how you work with clients mm -hmm. and the success that you've been able to help your clients achieve. Um, we, we call them um, the mess to success stories. Right. And I'm, and I think Henry probably went into some of that when he talked to you, yeah. but those are the things that people remember the most of the stories we tell. And they also serve the purpose of illustrating that, you know, you can do what you're saying you can do for people. Right. And these are the examples of that. So that kind of leads them along to the point where hopefully by the end of it, they're open to that next kind of step of a, you know, a, a strategy call with you, um, which then hopefully by the end of that, you're you're getting towards those those buying questions. So like you said, the time wasn't right. So we're trying to get them to the time where right. then they do want the sales conversation. Exactly. And they'll start asking me those questions about, you know, oh well, you know, how do you work with people and how much does it cost? How long does it take? So you start getting the signs from them. Got it. That's good. And and so just in terms of some basic logistics. And obviously this is, this may vary from person to person or market to market, but in general, what do you recommend in terms of how long should one of these virtual um, showcases be for, for the average, you know, consultant or author or speaker? Yeah. With virtual, I would keep it, you know, a 60 minute thing. Yeah. And really when I say 60 minutes, you're not 
talking for 60 minutes straight. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and, and also the, you know, the important of like, you start on time, you end on time mm-hmm. becomes very, you know, cause that's another thing that's going to subconsciously register with them. Yep. So if you're telling them it's a one hour webinar, it people are busy, that. they got stuff to go to. So you want to make sure you're, you're keeping you know, to that, making sure you're ending on time, just that kind of, those little things mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a little more challenging to do the interaction piece on okay. virtual. That's, that's probably one of the biggest difference from our live presentations, mm-hmm. but you can still do it. Um, so we try to say, you know, if it's a 60 minute webinar, you're probably only talking 30 to 40 minutes. And then there's points in the program where you can have some interaction. So, you know, as something as simple as just having people, you know, introducing themselves and, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what brought you here today? You know, I can make sure I cover, you know, that point, something like that just gets them involved. Um, Q and A's, things like that. Um, and and that's you know they can use the chat feature. It's pretty simple. And I think at this point, almost everybody has been on Zoom so much they yeah. use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the polls feature, just anything to just break it up a little bit because um, so it is not hard. Just, not just one person stare at somebody at talking you. at you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. A talking head for an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah so you want to just kind of make it fun and interactive. Um, and build that into it. But yeah, so I would say, you know, 60 minute webinars is, is where, where we are virtually. That's excellent. That's excellent. And uh, I'm just kind of asking you random detail questions based on your experience. Um, in terms of, does it matter day of the week or time of day? I, I guess part of that might be based on, are you, a, you know, a national presentation where you've got people from different time zones or possibly international? What, what, are you, what is your all's perspective on day or time of day? Does it matter if you've seen? I think it matters a little bit. We okay. try to keep them Tuesday to Thursday. So Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday. That makes sense. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, so we do invite I mean, that, that is a, a benefit of going virtually is now we can invite people from all around the country. Right. Yeah. The universe is much larger now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We actually have had a few international people attend as well. So maybe sometimes you can kind of experiment with the times and kind of mm-hmm. test a few. Uh, we, we typically do 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we, just, we just did one this morning. So that kind of puts you midday for East coast. It's not too late for them yet. Um, but for Pacific coast people, they've, they've gotten to, you know, come in, check their emails, take yeah. care of a few things, and then they can take an hour out of their day. Um, I, yeah. So I would just, I would be careful going too late mm-hmm. unless you know your audience has a specific um, preference. Uh, sure. When we used to do live events, if, if the target was CEOs, Mm-hmm. say you know do a breakfast briefing okay you know, early yeah early okay. and and also you know keep it fast you know <laughs> like get them in get them out you know because they need to get on with their day yeah so some of that is you know just kind of feeling out your audience but now with virtual um it's a little more fluid mm-hmm. plus you're going to get a lot of people that are not going to be able to come live that sure. will sign up for an event and they'll just want the recording. Okay. To watch, which is, which is still good. I mean, it still gets you in front of them. So I would say just, you know, have that as an option as well for people to just be flexible. Cause yeah. I think that's the biggest thing right now. Everybody just needs flexibility <laughs> yeah, sure. from one day to the next, you know, a school, you know, all of a sudden there's, the school's closed and the kids are home. And yeah, so you want to make it easy on them. Well, uh, the irony of your statement, of course, it's the world we're in right right now as we're, as we're recording this. Um, but the reality of your statement is right before uh, we started this interview recording, I was on the phone with my sister and she just told me that the nieces are coming home uh, tomorrow because schools are closed. So, I mean. Keep hearing yeah. it. It's happening yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you made an interesting point and I, uh, this is something that I've always wondered about whether, you know, 
showcase a virtual event like we're talking about or the the quote unquote traditional webinar type of process or obviously it always makes sense to record them for your own use if not to share right so that that's that should be a given and it's so easy to do now um the question i have is when you are when you're promoting and this kind of takes us into that that side of the discussion when you're promoting a virtual event like this do you let people know that it will be recorded and if they can't attend they should go ahead and register or do you wait uh, and try to get people there live and then provide the recording kind of after the fact, uh, after someone hasn't shown up, uh, which and I don't know there's a right answer to this, frankly, but what what's your perspective on that question? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. And I'm like, no, we have never actually said we are going to record them, but we always do. Yeah. I'm not really sure why we never do. Again, I don't know what's, I don't know if there's a better option or not, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it probably is a good idea to to tell them that, that, you know, still sign up, you know, still sign up if you can't attend live and, you know, we'll make sure you get the recording uh, because, you know, if they are interested in your topic enough to, you know, take that at least the first step of, you know, Signing going up. to your yeah. landing page or your sign up form, you know, you don't want to lose that, that potential prospect there um, just for a simple thing of them being like, Oh, that time doesn't work for me. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's a good note. And of course the opposite argument is if you tell them that you're going to record it and make it available, they'll just sign up and never have the intention of attending, which means they may never see it. So yeah, no, I, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, I think both answers could be, could be effective. Maybe it's really based more on who your market is um, and, and that type of thing. So I can, yeah, I was just curious. So yeah, that's that's fascinating. I it would be interesting to test one way or another and see see what happens. And again, it's probably going to be so dependent upon the the nature of the market. What when you guys are are promoting these, what's your attendance targets? And again, this is going to vary as well based on who your you know who your client is and so forth, who you're working with. But generally, rule of thumb, what how many people should we be targeting to attend and and how does that kind of break down in terms of registrations to attendees? Right. So we are kind of big proponents of, you know, keeping them small. So, you know, we call them small scale seminars because, you know, for us building in that option to have interaction and connect more personally, you know, it has to be a small enough group that you can do that in the timeframe. So, you know, for virtual, I would say that puts you more in the, you know, 10 to 20 range. Um, if you have multiple presenters, you might be able to go a little bit bigger because mm-hmm. you can have, you know, somebody can be kind of manning the chat while the other is speaking. And then when you switch, things like that. So, sure. but what we do find on virtual presentations is if you get 50% of the people that register, you're doing fantastic. Gotcha. You're talking like, about it's people who actually show up. Right. 50% like, of the registrants actually show up. That's that's you're doing well. You're doing well. That's probably our highest that we've ever had. Yeah. And we've had as low as like two people. Yeah. yeah. But we still put on the event, you know, they wanted yeah. the topic. So we, we gave them our, our best. And then yeah. we have the recording for others. Right. But so with that in mind, you know, if you're hoping to get somewhere between 10 and 20 live, when you're doing your marketing, you want to be shooting for probably double that to sign up. Gotcha. Would be ideal. Understood. That makes sense. And uh, just going into the promotion a little bit, and we don't have to get into too much of the nitty gritty here, but in general, what is that? How is that done? What 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 is the general process for the or platform that you use? How do how 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 do people learn about this and decide to attend? Yeah, so it's it's a mix of options. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have you know kind of the traditional. We have we post on our social media. We send it out to our newsletter list. list. Sure. Um, but then the other ones that we've kind of started to build up, or one is referrals. Mm-hmm. So. We try to, you know, let our past clients or people that are have, you know, been big advocates and referral sources for us 
know about upcoming events mm-hmm. so that, you know, if there's anybody, you know, of that could help this topic could help them, you know, please, please share. And then the other one that we developed was using LinkedIn as an outreach strategy. Okay. And that has really um, been a powerful tool for us um, because it's, it's built for networking business yeah. people and super powerful search capabilities. So if you're clear on your target audience, you know, you're able to find them. And then we just kind of developed a pretty simple two-step invitation process um, that we send out to them. So again, that, you know, focusing on being, you know, generous mm-hmm. and offering information at no cost you know, not spamming people. Um, Cause unfortunately that has uh, started lot, to creep up on LinkedIn <laughs> quite yeah. a bit in the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, it's just making sure you're positioning it in a way that is um, keeping to the, the essence of, of that platform, which is about connecting and building relationships. So, you know, that kind of give to get mentality right. You know, that's what you're trying to do. Um, but it is a powerful tool and one that I feel like a lot of people have not tapped into. Um, so that's good. if you are interested in in learning more or seeing, you know, sample messages and stuff like that, we have a white paper on it. Oh, wow. Okay. So okay. if you want to email me, I'd be happy to share it. Yeah, that's awesome. And what we'll do, uh, Devin, I do want you to give um any information in just a second about indie books and share your email and, and all that also just for everybody watching and listening we will also put all that information in the show notes actually hyperlinked so you'll be able just to click uh and get access to to anything that devin shares in just a minute um that is phenomenal and and tell me a little about about the experiences you guys have had with the showcase strategy i know you've been doing this for 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 indie books for a while but you've also been doing this with clients um, for a while. And I'm fascinated to know, uh, you know, experiences that you've had that, that, uh, you know, have made a difference for people you've worked with. Yeah. Um, well, let me, I'll, I can tell you about Michael. So okay. um, Michael Haig is one of our authors. Um, he is a Hollywood storytelling expert um, script consultant, just, brilliant at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the person Will Smith calls up when he wants advice on his next project. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and he had written several books already on screenwriting and fiction writing. Mm-hmm. He had come to us for his new book, which was storytelling made easy, which was geared at how business professionals could use the same Hollywood storytelling formula in the stories they tell and presentations and marketing materials um, to, you know, win over clients. But the problem he had was that this was a totally new audience for him. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he was kind of coming to us with a, how do we, how do I get in front of these people? How do I reach this group? Cause up to that point, you know, he had been working more on, you know, fiction and movie side. Um, he taught at, you know, universities or he was brought into kind of writers retreats and weekends. Um, so he didn't never really had to like actively go after a new audience. Yeah. So we said, you know, you know, our number one recommendation is to do these small scale seminars and, you know, host an event yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I will say he was a little, you know, unsure. Right. Right. Yeah. Low resistant at first. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we said, you know, I, I will do this with you. I will show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. We will put together a presentation. Um, At the time we were live. And one of the things that we we were recommending when people were trying this at the beginning was, you know, if you're already traveling somewhere for an event, just added, you know, add a day onto your trip, Mm-hmm. And, you know, book a meeting room and host your own event. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what was happening. He was going to Portland for a workshop. So we just added a day to his trip and we decided like, okay, let's try Portland. <laughs> right. Yeah. P- Portland it is. Yeah. Portland it is. <laughs> um, so we, we set out with 
you know, we decided to focus on marketing professionals. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we kind of built the topic around that, how they can use, you know, work in storytelling techniques. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of set out with that same, that same strategy of, you know, let's use LinkedIn as a primary driver. I mean, you know, we'll also, you know, kind of let, let his network know, but let's use LinkedIn to drive it. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we set those, you know, attendance goals like we talked about. So right. for, you know, for Michael, we did, we did say, you know, live in person because also his storytelling formula interaction piece, it takes some time for a I story. So yeah. we were saying, you know, I think, you know, keep it more like six to 12 people. Um, but he was used to talking to kind of big lecture halls. So I see. Yeah. he did push back a little bit there yeah. and he wanted, his goal was 24. Okay. So we said, okay, we'll set kind of, you know, the range. So, you know, it's a go. If we get 10 people, mm-hmm. you know, we'll kind of put 15 as our, our stretch goal. And then, you know, the 24 can be our, our really big goal. Yeah. Um, but we use that LinkedIn, you know, strategy and we were actually able to get 19 people yeah and attend this event yeah and the other kind of piece that we've been talking about is you know it's a no cost event Mm -hmm. we want you to offer a follow-up no cost strategy call all those things that that was the advice we were giving michael yeah his big fear was if I give this all away for free, nobody's going to want to hire me. This is something I, yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up in the context <laughs> of the story because I should have asked the question. So yes, please continue. Yeah. I mean, it, this is, yeah, it's, it's the big kind of question behind everybody. Yeah. That we get a lot. And we said, yes, you are giving away valuable content, but you're teaching in a, in a broad way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for all of us, you know, you're, you're giving kind of the high level. So it's still helpful, actionable information. Yeah. But, you know, if they're interested, they're going to want to hire you for the specifics of their situation. Yeah. So again, it's just that you're illustrating that, you know, what you're talking about. Exactly. Service. So, we said, you know, please, please trust us on this. Just try it. <laughs> Just try <laughs> right, it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we had um, a form basically that they could fill out at the end that, you know, yes, I would like the strat- mm-hmm. follow-up strategy call with Michael. So of the 19 people that attended, 18 checked yes on the form. Wow. And it turns out the 19th person in the room was his sister-in-law who had come to support him. (laughs) We actually count it as a 100% success rate. Absolutely. Everybody checked the box. That's great. Wow. And within a a week, one of those follow-up calls turned into a contract that covered the cost of the entire, you know, traveling to the event, renting the room, paying for marketing help. Everything. All from one engagement with a client. Yeah. Plus, he had 17 other prospects in his pipeline. Yep. Pursue. So, just you know, he, we all, we also recommend you know you do a couple events in a row so you can test test out things, try it. it. Makes so a lot of sense. Yeah. A month later, he had, you know, similar situation. He was going to Nashville for another event. Mm-hmm. So we had him do the same thing in Nashville. Mm-hmm. He did agree this time with us that a slightly smaller group would be better. Okay. So that he could get through helping and coaching yeah. more. So at that one, there were 15 people. Mm-hmm. And at that one, they didn't even wait for the follow-up call. He had somebody that hired that said, I want this, I need this, and hired him that day. <laughs> wow. So they left. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how powerful this yeah. strategy can be. And that chance for them to interact with you and experience you is, you know, it's just so powerful. So, you know, we've, I mean, like I said, we're about to turn eight years old and this, this strategy has grown our business. 
and we happily have taught it to a lot of our clients and helped them grow their businesses the same way. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. And it, I mean, when you start to dissect sort of the psychology behind the strategy, it makes perfect sense that uh, someone who is uh, a, a, a potential buyer of a consultant services is going to need and want to see them in action. Um, and that is so much easier for a potential prospect to do in an environment like what you're talking about with a small scale seminar, as opposed even to a, an initial one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, now, certainly I'd rather have a one-on-one -on -one conversation if someone didn't attend the session and I'm following up with them, I'm happy to have the one-on-one -on -one conversation and help them wherever I can and demonstrate my value on a one-on-one. -on -one. But it becomes so much more powerful when that economic buyer, when that prospect is sitting in that room, watching, watching you do your thing and the light bulb goes off for them and they say, oh, I need this. Or they're watching the light bulbs go off for all their peers who are in the room, right? There's this, there's a, almost a peer pressure type of thing that happens when you've got multiple people who are, who are involved and interacting and edifying the authority at the front of the room too, which is, which is valuable in and of itself. L listen, thank you so much for uh, kind of providing that great overview of the strategy. I think it's, it's phenomenal. So I want to, before we're, I want you to share your contact information, but one last question uh, from a content basis that I ask every interview guest that I, that I have, lessons learned, personal or professional, lessons learned that might be valuable for you to impart to our viewers and listeners out there. And I know it's a big, broad question, so there's no <laughs> right or wrong, Devin. I think for me, the biggest thing I have learned um, personally and in working with our clients is, mm -hmm. is kind of to not do it alone. Mm -hmm. Whatever, you know, whatever challenge you're doing and, and you know, I think your audiences are consultants, so they, they yeah. know this well. Um, you know, there's always somebody that knows, you know, something that you don't really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to really be comfortable reaching out for that and getting the help and the support. Um, because, you know, there's one thing like, you know, that I know really well and I can help people, but there's other things that I don't. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I feel like a lot of people feel like they have to do it all themselves yeah. or they have to know it all. Um, you know, and, and so in context of the books, we also find, you know, people feel like they have to have it written and done before they ever talk to us. Oh, wow. And a lot yeah. of times we're like, no, it's way better to talk to us early. When yeah. Yeah. When you're thinking about the book uh, so that we can help you make sure you're writing the right book, you know, yeah. the book that's going to serve you. Um, so there's just a lot of those things that I feel like, you know, just being open to asking yeah. um, for help and, and finding the person that, you know, has the expertise you need. I think it's a great it's a great reminder, and and I you know I'll speak from personal experience here too. It's so easy, especially for independent consultants where we're owning our own business or we're an owner operator. Um, it's so easy for us to think that we we are the one that have to wear all the hats. We have to do everything, even though to your own point that you just made a second ago, we're consultants and we should be saying the same things to our clients. Don't try to do it all up on your own, right? Uh, let people who have expertise help you. But so often uh, that part of it, we, we, we struggle with. Um, so I, I, I love, I love your lesson and your sentiment there. And it's a good reminder for, for all of us. Uh, so Devin, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, you mentioned this white paper that you'd written about the, the showcase strategy and small scale seminars that you're willing to share, which is incredibly generous. Thank you. Um, if someone wants to get access to that or, or reach out to you or learn more about Indie Books International, what's the best way for, for them to, to connect or reach out? Yeah, so you can either visit our website. So we're Indie, so I-N-D-I-E, mm -hmm. booksinternational.com. Or I can be reached directly at Devin, and it's D-E-V-I-N, mm -hmm. <laughs> at intl.com for our emails. Good. That's fantastic. So, And we'll make sure that the link to the Indie Books site is on the show notes and a link to your email is also there as well so people can reach out directly. And if they're interested in getting a copy of the white paper, you said it's best for them just to email you directly and make the request. Yeah. And, you okay. know, you can keep it simple. You can just put 
white paper in the subject line. Yeah. Yeah. All I I need. Yeah. Let Devin know where you heard her, uh, this interview and, uh, and she'll send that over to you. Thank you so much for being willing to do that. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for your expertise and your time for demonstrating your authority and knowledge uh, today, Devin. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I know everyone's gotten a lot of value from it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, for Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you all the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, Make sure you are consulting with authority.